Section 2D. The Air War Expands, Vietnamization, Humanitarian Airlift, and Post-Vietnam Conflicts. The Air War Expands, 1965-1968. On 7th February, 1965, the Viet Cong attacked Camp Holloway near Pleiku, killing eight Americans. The president responded with Operation Flaming Dart, a series of strikes against military barracks near Dong Hoi in North Vietnam, as well as other targets. Increased airstrikes against targets in the northern half of the country, codenamed Rolling Thunder, began less than a month later on 2nd March. Rolling Thunder was the first sustained bombing campaign of the war against North Vietnam, lasting through 1968. As offensive air operations increased, United States Air Force presence in Southeast Asia also increased. About 10,000 Air Force personnel served in Vietnam in May 1965, doubling by the end of the year. As 1968 drew to a close, 58,000 airmen served in the country. Airmen performed various duties, including support, combat, and rescue. Figure 2.7. Prime beef personnel, for example, built revetments, barracks, and other facilities. Rapid Engineering and Heavy Operational Repair Squadron, Engineering, Red Horse teams, provided more long-range civil engineer services. In the realm of combat operations, Air Force gunners flew aboard gunships as well as B-57s and B-52s. In December 1972, B-52 tail gunner Staff Sergeant Samuel Turner shot down an enemy MiG, the first of only two confirmed shootdowns by enlisted airmen during the war. Both victories were from gunners belonging to the 307th Strategic Wing at Utapo, Thailand. Credit for the 5th overall MiG-21 kill during Linebacker 2 also went to an enlisted member, Airman First Class Albert E. Moore. Enlisted personnel also served on gunships during the war as both aerial gunners and as loadmasters. With the Gatlin-style guns actually aimed by the pilot through speed, bank, and altitude, the responsibility of the aerial gunners was to keep the quick-firing guns reloaded. Crew members occupying this position were particularly vulnerable to ground fire. Meanwhile, loadmasters released flare canisters over target areas during night missions, another hazardous undertaking. Air Force enlisted members faced combat on the ground as well. With the continuing threat of guerrilla attack, Airbase defense became a monumental undertaking performed almost exclusively by Air Force Security Police Squadrons. Staff Sergeant William Piazza, 3rd Security Police Squadron, earned the Silver Star for helping defend Bien Hoa during North Vietnamese Tet Offensive of 1968. Vietnamization and Withdrawal, 1969-1973 Since the Eisenhower years, American presidents wanted the Vietnam conflict to be fought and resolved by the Vietnamese. Through 1963 and much of 1964, American forces operated under restrictive rules of engagement in an effort to maintain the United States' role as advisory only. On 22 November 1963, embroiled in a deteriorating situation in Vietnam, President Kennedy was assassinated and Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson took office. After the Gulf of Tonkin incident and the Senate Resolution of 1964, the advisory role rapidly evolved into one of combat operations. Yet the Air Force never stopped working with the Vietnamese Air Force to develop an ability to prosecute the war itself. In January 1969, shortly after taking office, President Nixon announced an end to United States combat in Southeast Asia as a primary goal of his administration. He charged the Secretary of Defense with making Vietnamization of the war a top priority. 
Enlisted airmen played key roles, especially in training Vietnamese operational and training crews. As the Vietnamese took over air operations, the nation's air force grew to become the fourth largest in the world. In May 1969, the withdrawal of United States Army ground units from Vietnam began in earnest, while air support units lingered. In 1972, taking advantage of reduced American ground presence, communist forces of the National Liberation Front crossed the demilitarized zone. President Nixon ordered the harbor's mined, and peace talks broke down completely. President Nixon ordered 11 days of intensive bombing of Vietnamese cities, with B-52s from Anderson Air Force Base, Guam, carrying out the mission called Linebacker 2. Linebacker 2 succeeded in breaking the deadlock, and the North Vietnamese resumed negotiations. A ceasefire agreement was hammered out by 28 January 1973. While Linebacker 2 was a success, Vietnam was no ordinary war. The ceasefire did not bring an end to the fighting, and the punishment air crews delivered did not bring victory. Nevertheless, the United States was committed to withdrawal. On 27 January 1973, the military draft ended. On 29 of March, the last United States troop left the country. And even though another ceasefire agreement was drawn up to end previous ceasefire violations, fighting continued until April 22, when the president of South Vietnam resigned. North and South Vietnam were officially unified under a communist regime on 2 of July 1976. Humanitarian airlift. The history of humanitarian airlift by United States armed forces is almost as old as the history of flight itself. Army aircraft flying out of Kelly Field, Texas, for example, dropped food to victims of a Rio Grande flood in 1919, one of the first known uses of an aircraft to render assistance. Many early domestic humanitarian flights were flown in response to winter emergencies. In March 1923, Aberdeen Proving Ground, Maryland, sent airplanes to bomb an ice jam on the Delaware River, and an aircraft from Chanute Field, Illinois, dropped food to stranded people on South Fox Island in Lake Michigan. From blizzards and floods to volcanic eruptions and earthquakes, Army Air Corps personnel and aircraft provided relief. Army aircraft also flew humanitarian missions to foreign nations before the United States Air Force was established. In February 1939, the Second Bombardment Wing delivered medical supplies to earthquake victims in Chile. Four years later, in the midst of World War II, a B-24 from a base in Guatemala dropped a life raft with the diphtheria vaccine to a destroyer escorting a British aircraft carrier. The destroyer delivered the vaccine to the carrier, preventing a shipboard epidemic. In September 1944, United States Army Air Forces planes dropped food to starving French citizens. In May 1945, B-17s delivered food to hungry people in the Netherlands during Operation Chowhound. Humanitarian efforts continued after the Air Force became a separate service and through the ensuing decades. During Operations Safe Haven One and Two in 1956 and 1957, the Military Air Transport Service, 1608th Air Transport Wing, Charleston Air Force Base, South Carolina, and 1611th Air Transport Wing, McGuire Air Force Base, New Jersey, airlifted over 10,000 Hungarian refugees to the United States. President Eisenhower approved asylum for the refugees who fled Hungary after Soviet forces crushed an anti-communist uprising there. In May 1960, earthquakes followed by volcanic eruptions, avalanches, and tidal waves ripped through southern Chile, leaving nearly 10,000 people dead and a quarter of a million homeless. The United States Department of Defense and State Department agreed to provide assistance. 
During the month-long Amigos airlift, the 63rd Troop Carrier Wing from Donaldson Air Force Base, South Carolina, and the 1607th, 1608th, and 1611th Air Transport Wings airlifted over a 1,000 tons of material to the stricken area. America's commitment to South Vietnam led to many relief flights to that country during the 1960s and 1970s. In November 1964, three typhoons dumped 40-plus inches of rain on the country's central highlands, killing 7,000 people and destroying 50,000 homes. HH-43F helicopters from Detachment 5 Pacific Air Rescue Center plucked 80 Vietnamese from rooftops and high ground in the immediate aftermath of the storms. Over the next two months, various Air Force units moved more than 2,000 tons of food, fuel, boats, and medicine to the ravaged area. Less than a year later, in August 1965, fighting in Da Nang displaced 400 orphaned children. To move them out of harm's way, 315th Air Division's C-130s airlifted the orphans to Saigon. In 1975, following the fall of Cambodia and South Vietnam to communist forces, Transports from 11 Air Force wings and other units airlifted more than 50,000 refugees to the United States. This airlift, which included operations Babylift, New Life, Frequent Wind, and New Arrivals, was the largest aerial evacuation in history. In addition to refugees, Air Force units also moved 5,000 relief workers and more than 8,500 tons of supplies. Aside from the Vietnamese evacuation of the 1970s and the Berlin airlift in the late 1940s, the most significant humanitarian airlift operations took place in the 1990s. In 1991, following the Persian Gulf War, Iraqi leader Saddam Hussein attacked the Kurdish population in northern Iraq. In response to the unfolding human tragedy, Air Force transports in support of Operation Provide Comfort provided more than 7,000 tons of blankets, tents, food, and more to the displaced Kurds, and airlifted thousands of refugees and medical personnel. Operation Sea Angel, in which the Air Force airlifted 3,000 tons of supplies to Bangladesh, followed a 1991 typhoon. Operation Provide Hope in 1992 and 1993 provided 6,000 tons of food, medicine, and other cargo to republics of the former Soviet Union. In 1994, the Air Force carried 3,600 tons of relief supplies to Rwandan refugees in war-torn Central Africa. Post-Vietnam Conflicts Operation Urgent Fury, Grenada, 1983 in October 1983, a military coup on the tiny Caribbean island nation of Grenada aroused United States attention. Coup leaders arrested and then assassinated Prime Minister Maurice Bishop, imposed a 24-hour shoot-on-site curfew, and closed the airport at Pearls on the east coast, about 12 miles from the capital of St. George's, located on the opposite side of the island. President Ronald W. Reagan, who did not want a repetition of the Iranian hostage crisis a few years earlier, considered military intervention to rescue hundreds of United States citizens attending medical school on the island. Twenty-six Air Force wings, groups, and squadrons supported the invasion by 1,900 United States Marines and Army Rangers. Airlift and Special Operations Units from the Military Airlift Command comprised the bulk of the Air Force fighting force. AC-130 gunships in particular proved their worth repeatedly, showing more versatility and accuracy than naval bombardment and land artillery. Several Air Force enlisted personnel were among 10 Air Force Granada veterans cited for special achievement who received special praise for their efforts. Among them, 
Sergeant Charles Tisby, a loadmaster, saved the life of an unidentified paratrooper in his aircraft. When his C-130 banked sharply to avoid anti-aircraft fire, one paratrooper's static line fouled and left the trooper still attached to the aircraft. Tisby, with the help of paratroopers still on board, managed, at significant personal risk, to haul the man back in. El Dorado Canyon, Libya, 1986 In 1969, a group of junior military officers, led by Muammar Gaddafi, overthrew the pro-Western Libyan Arab monarchy. By the mid-1980s, Libya was one of the leading sponsors of worldwide terrorism. In addition to subversion or direct military intervention against other African nations and global assassinations of anti-Qaddafi Libyan exiles and other state enemies, Qaddafi sponsored terrorist training camps within Libya and supplied funds, weapons, logistical support, and safe havens for numerous terrorist groups. Between January 1981 and April 1986, terrorists worldwide killed over 300 Americans and injured hundreds more. With National Security Decision Directive 138 signed on 3 April 1984, President Reagan established in principle a United States policy of preemptive and retaliatory strikes against terrorists. On 27 December 1985, terrorists attacked passengers in the Rome and Vienna airports. Despite the strong evidence that connected Libya to the incident, the United States administration determined they did not have sufficient proof to order retaliatory strikes against Libya. President Reagan imposed sanctions against Libya, publicly denounced Gaddafi for sponsoring the operation, and sent the 6th Fleet to exercise off the coast of Libya. In Berlin, 5 April 1986, a large bomb gutted a discotheque popular with United States service members. This time, President Reagan had the evidence he sought. On 9 April, he authorized an airstrike against Libya and attempted to obtain support from European allies. Great Britain gave permission for the United States Air Force to use British bases. However, the governments of France and Spain denied permission to fly over their countries, thereby increasing the Air Force's round trip to almost 6,000 miles. By 14 April 1986, all Air Force forces were gathered and ready. Politically, the raid against the terrorist state was extremely popular in the United States and almost universally condemned or regretted by the United States' European allies, who feared that the raid would spawn more violence. The operation spurred Western European governments to increase their defenses against terrorism, and their intelligence agencies began to share information. The Air Force was saddened by the loss of an F-111F crew, but the loss of one out of over a hundred aircraft used in the raid statistically was not a high toll. Despite the high abort rate, collateral damage, and loss of innocent lives, after a flight of more than six hours and in the face of strong enemy opposition, the Air Force successfully hit three targets previously seen only in photographs. Operation Just Cause, Panama, 1989 since Panama's declaration of independence from Colombia in 1903, the United States has maintained a special interest in this small Central American country. The United States controlled and occupied the Panama Canal Zone, through which they built a 40-mile-long canal to connect the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. President Woodrow Wilson formally opened the canal on 12 July 1915. Political and domestic conditions in Panama remained stable until 1968, when a military ruler deposed the country's president. A new treaty took effect 1 October 1979, granting Panama complete control of the canal and dictating withdrawal of the United States military forces by 1 January 2000. 
1981 leadership struggle culminated in 1983. General Manuel Noriega prevailed. Noriega maintained ties with the United States intelligence community, furnishing information on Latin American drug trafficking and money laundering, while at the same time engaging in such activities. By 1987, brutal repression of his people was enough for the United States Senate to issue a resolution calling for the Panamanians to oust him. Noriega, in turn, ordered an attack on the United States Embassy, causing an end to United States military and economic aid. In 1988, a Miami federal grand jury indicted Noriega on drug trafficking and money laundering charges. Noriega intensified his harassment against his own people and all Americans. By 1989, President George H.W. Bush decided to invade Panama. All four branches of the United States Armed Forces played a role in Operation Just Cause. Air Force participation included elements of 18 wings, 9 groups, and 17 types of aircraft. On the first night of the operation, 84 aircraft flying 500 feet above the ground dropped nearly 5,000 troops, the largest nighttime airborne operation since World War II. The airdrop also featured the first Air Force personnel use of night vision goggles during a contingency. Operation Just Cause was the largest and most complex air operation since Vietnam and involved more than 250 aircraft. American forces eliminated organized resistance in just six days. Manuel Noriega surrendered 3 January 1990 and was flown to Miami, Florida to face trial. Less than a year later, many of the same airmen that made Operation Just Cause a resounding success would build and travel another, larger air bridge during Operation Desert Shield. <laughs>